Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Good morning, friends. How are we doing today? Good. Hey, uh, man, last week was super fun. A lot of you were here. If you weren't here, we gave out stress balls, and you threw them at me and Ken. And you loved it way too much. Some of y'all were gangster about it. I mean, I saw people standing up, like, with this, like, an evil grin. I, somebody down here where, like, there was a bunch of students. I was like, I'm going to catch the ball. I'm like, like, sideways, slow motion, getting hurt. And uh, the last service, this is, best, this is how awesome kid is. The 12 o'clock service, people were, like, dirty. It was awesome. And you can't see the lights. And I look over at Ken. We're down there, like, laughing. like, oh, man, that was crazy awesome. And he's, like, stumbling a little bit. He'd gotten clocked so good in the forehead, it like was swelling up. <laughs> he goes in the back, he's like, oh man, I got hit really hard. And you couldn't, uh, you could see it if you knew to look for it. The whole week he had this sweet bruise right here. It was awesome. And I was like, you took one for the team. Like, you're real deal. And then he went out there and brought it. Like, you're just, you're a hardcore old guy. This is awesome. I was like, that's legit. That was fun. Last week was fun. Uh, <clears throat> if you weren't here, you're not allowed to throw anything today. That was just last week. Um, so we're talking about um, uh, this conversation about being a person of influence. We all want to do it. Um, we've had a lot of conversations, I'm sure, this week about influence. Uh, and we'll touch on that in just a little bit. Um, this week is, uh, this next week for me and my family is really fun. It's reminding me what influence is like. Um, for those of you who don't know, this next week and kind of throughout the week, all over the country and even around the world is National Adoption Week or Adoption Day. How many of you guys know someone or have been adopted yourself? Raise your hand. It's awesome. So uh, really everyone can raise your hand because it's the really cool thing that happens when uh, we realize that God gave his son for us so we could be adopted into uh, and justified in his family. So we're really all a part of that uh, story, um, but I have two, and uh, we're going to be celebrating that week, that this week, and that gives me um, uh, great pause in remembering um, what's in front of me and when it comes to influence. See, the thing that happens with influence is we all want to have it. Whether, like, you talk about it all the time, everyone wants to have the opportunity to give great influence into someone Everyone also at some point in your life, because we're just messed up people, want to have influence for bad things to happen to people as well, because we think that way when things get crazy. But what does it look like if we can truly understand and grasp the power of influence that we have in other people in their life? Um, People have had influence in your life. And so where we find that, where it comes to, it's going to seem kind of simple today, but I'm going to push you to get deeper into this, is that when it comes to, like, how do I do this? Where's the answer to these questions? What is, um, what should I do when it comes to this? How do I influence this person? How do I be a good uh, partner in marriage? How do I uh, raise children? How do I act at work? How do I act when I'm driving in my car? So on and so forth, etc., etc. When it all comes down to it, we open up God's Word, and we say, how do we do this? And we find in Matthew twenty-two forty, it says, all the laws... Everything, all the house to. What do I do about this? How does, what happens in this situation? You can find an answer to anything. I can point you to the word. All the laws and the prophets hang, everything hangs on these two commandments. And many of you probably are familiar with this, and it's love. Love God. Yep, okay, this is new for a lot of people. The first one is love God and love people. 
Love God and love people. We hear that a lot, and for some of us it gets cliche, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the deal. When it comes down to influence, any time that I've ever had a conversation or a discussion with someone, and something's gone awry, or their opportunity of influence has gone awry, or there's an issue in a relationship, or something else has taken that place, I never go to the root of what that issue is. I go to the root of something has replaced the two that everything hang on. Literally, you want to find answers in your life, you start here. What have you replaced with God, and what have you replaced with people? If you can go back there, you'll figure out how to have great influence in other people's lives. And what this does is this pushes us to a really difficult question. And uh, many of you are going to struggle with this this week. It's going to be really difficult. I just am going to ask you not even to do it necessarily. I'm going to ask you to chew on it, if you will, uh, because it's that intense. And it's this question of, if that's the case, what does love require of me? If I uh, could ask you that in every instance, in every moment, in the midst of every conversation, every interaction, if you could somehow figure out how to pause for a moment and ask yourself this question, in this moment, in the midst of this post, (laughs) what does love require of me? That, 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 that is hard. The more you think about it, the more you chew on that. In every interaction, every moment, and every contact you have with someone, in your sphere of influence, if you could pause and ask yourself, if those are the two things, if everything hangs on that, what does love require of me? What does it look like to love God and to love your neighbor? What does that look like for us? And I want to paint this, um, this picture of how brilliant this statement is because Jesus, God sent Jesus and he's down there and he's in human form and they're like, tell us, like give us godly wisdom, this fear of the Lord, this deep peace, give it to us. And they're sitting there waiting and he says, it all hangs on this, love God and love people. And they're like, ah, is that it? And it's that, that's it. But it's so brilliant. He's this master communicator. It's so beautiful. Because all of us can relate to this when it comes to influence. There are two categories of people that have influenced you greatly. Two categories, if you think about it, uh, of people that have influenced you greatly. And these categories don't have anything to do with what these people believed in and who they were. When you think about the people in your life and, and how you've become the person you've become or how you've struggled with the things that you struggle with or how you wish you could be in this area or receive this person or react in this way in this situation. These two categories have everything to do with who you've become and how you react to many situations. It doesn't have to do with what those people believed about specific subjects or things. It has to do with what they did. And these two things are those who have hurt you and those who have loved you. Those two things have influenced you the most in your life. Those who have hurt you and those who've loved you. If you think back to the greatest influence in your life, it has been influenced by those who have hurt you deeply and those who have loved you profoundly. Those who have hurt you deeply. Whenever you find yourself, or I talk to somebody else and they find themselves bumping into that thing and counseling that they just can't get through, a good counselor will take them back right here. Who is it that's hurt you, and who is it that's influenced you because they loved you? This, uh, this, this peace, when it 
uh, comes the hurt, it's this really difficult um, kind of subject because many of the people who have hurt you deeply in your life that have had influence on you believed well. Many of those people went to church. They knew the Bible. They, uh, they were in small groups. They studied this. They said they loved God. But when it, became, it came down to their behavior, they hurt you deeply. And it influenced you greatly. It influenced a lot of us. That's why a lot of people have left the church. There is people, literally, in prison today, pastors, preachers, that believed their theology was solid. They believed excellent. They had great theology. But they hurt deeply children because of their behavior. And it didn't reflect that. And there is wounds that will never like heal on this side of eternity because people... Uh, have hurt you deeply. But you can also think those that have loved you profoundly have had great influence. And the crazy thing about that too is you'll think some of those people didn't even have that great of beliefs. They did all kinds of crazy things. But when it came down to loving you, that's what influenced you in a profound way. Some of you, it was uh, your parent. Some of you, it was uh, a teacher. Some of you, it was a coach. If you think back to who that person is, maybe for some of you, that it wasn't connected with beliefs and it was connected to behavior, I can tell you I've been influenced uh, by a coach, uh, because not because I remember what he believed and he told me and he taught me how to like run really hard and almost kill myself, right? But because he loved me and he looked me in the eye and he cared for me. This uh, yesterday, um, like everyone else in the room, I was watching football, right? And... Uh, the college football was on, and there was a game, and it was number two Clemson at home, and they were playing Pitt, who was unranked. And uh, it was coming down to the end, and Pitt was going for the upset of this undefeated team, has the longest winning streak. They're at home, Clemson is, and uh, the kicker's coming out with like 12 seconds le- left to kick like uh, just under a 50-yard field goal, which is tough enough as it is in a different stadium. Biggest upset of the year. This is set up for that. The thing is that this kicker has missed his last two kicks. He's missed an extra point, which is like a give me, right, that a lot of people say. And then he had a field goal that was blocked. And so they're talking about all the pressure. And you look on the sidelines, everyone's like praying now suddenly. They're all religious. It's crazy. <laughs> the coach is down. They're linking arms. But this is what they showed. They showed back to him missing that. And it hit the goal post and he missed it. And then getting blocked. And he saw his head down. The coach was over there, putting his arm around him, grabbing him, shaking him, and he kissed him right on the side of the head. He was grabbing him, and you saw him, and he kissed him on the side of the head, and the guy went from, like, pouty to, like, oh, coach, don't do that. <laughs> and he, pro- he probably honestly didn't know that was on TV either. <laughs> then he did it again. He still shook him, and then he gave him one more, like, big smooch right in the temple, right, and pat him and went. It was after it had gotten blocked, all these two things. That kid went out there and made it. Now, I can tell you what that kid will remember. I don't think that kid will remember as much about the field goal that he made to upset the number two when it comes down to it. He will remember the influence of that coach in that moment when he had an opportunity to hurt him deeply or to love him profoundly and not talk about what he believed in and his mechanics and how you should do this and you're not good enough and this is your only job is to kick. What the heck? But... I believe in you. I care about you. You're wonderful. You're great. I'm going to kiss you. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> so what I'm saying, 
is the way that you, as a parent, as an aunt, an uncle, as um, a person of influence in every oppor- like every space, the person you're sitting next to right now, you relate to, you lead from the doses of what we just saw, the doses of those who have hurt you and the doses of those who have loved you. Massive influence. So let me put it this way. It's up here. The way that you've been treated has more to do with who you are than what you believe. That's, that's how powerful influence is. The way that you've been treated has more to do with who you are than what you believe. And Jesus, this is why what Jesus said, it was so extraordinarily profound, extraordinarily important, because he sat there and he said, I get this, and I want you to get this, because this is where the difference happens is. And so he talked about this, and what happened is you had this small group of people, this church, they're called the followers of the way, and they hung out there together, and they just took this whole idea, and they said, love God and love people. This is a behavior, this is an act, and they did it. And if you've ever been to Rome, you know Rome's full of mythology and the gods and stuff that they, now you go there, there's crosses everywhere. This doesn't happen because someone came in with a great idea. This happened because persecuted people said, I'm going to behave this way. And people said, I don't understand that. I need to understand more of this. And it changed that entire world over there, uh, that, and this whole movement because of their behavior, not about what they believed in. And at some point in our culture, what's happened is we've gone from talking about how we behave to arguing about what we believe in. Most of us do this. This is where most of the cultural issues we have, even nowadays, comes from. Uh, think about it like this. I'm going to give you a quick little analogy with all kinds of the situations. There's a bunch of people sitting at a table, hungry and ready for food. And they all say, we're hungry. And everyone comes out and they serve everyone but one person. Tom doesn't have any food. And so Tom says, well, everyone else is eating. Hey, I don't have food. I'm hungry. And they all stop eating. They look at Tom. And they say, Tom deserves food. He's important. He deserves food too. And then they keep eating. Guess what Tom's not doing? Eating. No one gave him food. But they talked about what they believed in. You're right. You should have food. And I eat. But what they didn't do is they didn't behave. You're right. You should have food. Let me serve you. Take some of mine. Let me give it to you. You follow that? Jesus didn't sit there and say, hey, I have a new command. A new command I give you. Believe correctly. By this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you believe correctly. You know how much like money and time has been spent on people like arguing and writing books and people who uh, uh, are even Jesus followers arguing about like what Jesus said and what he meant by that and what he believed rather than just acting out the behavior. And so it lends itself back to this question, which I said, it's kind of the stable for today. It's the really difficult one is, what does love require of me? If that's what it is, if it's about behavior, what does it require of me? And Jesus was really good at seeing people where they were and understanding their story. And he knew that we could do that too. Many of you have been in a situation, a situation where you've been convicted. Because you saw someone and you had beliefs and you said, why are they doing that? Why is their kid acting like that? Why has this happened to this person? Why did that fail? Why did they quit that? How did that happen to them? Why are they in rehab? Who is that? What about this? Why are they living together? Are they not Christian? They're not this. They don't love Jesus. And then what happens one day for many of us is suddenly we have like a real conversation with someone 
in like a smaller circle and you hear their story and where they're at and then you go, oh, I get it. Oh, it's not what I thought. It wasn't perception becomes reality. And we've been too focused on what we believe about what's going on rather than behaving and loving them and letting God figure that stuff out because we're just not taking the time to get involved in that situation in that story. That's the power of influence. So I'm going to talk about it. A lot of you guys had a really interesting week. So what does that look like this week with how love is requiring something from me? Here's the deal. Are you really sad? Are you mad about the election? Don't answer that right now. <laughs> Are you like really sad? I've talked to people this week that are crying sad or mad about this election. What does love require of you? To seek to love those who welcome it. <sighs> Wait. You just gave me, like, application. Don't do that. What does it require of you? Seek to love those who welcomed it. Now, are you really, like, happy and stoked and pumped up about the election? Because you feel like your side got it? What does love require of you? Seek to love those who hate it. Seek to love those who hate it. Don't talk about what you believe. Figure out how to act and behave this specific way. And this is what I want to get to everyone, because everyone in this room has influence over someone, some people, four little peoples that are really important in my life. Every single one of you, it doesn't matter how old you are, you have the influence for children. And I want you to hear this. With everything I have in me, I want to remind you of this when it comes to influence. And that is, kids, see, hear, process, and learn from how you react when things don't go your way. You have that power of influence. They see... They hear, they process, and learn from how you react when things don't go your way. Um, I'll give you a really quickly example. Um, I have my first grader, seven years old. First grade, my son is also black. My son is from Africa. He's adopted. And kids see, hear, process, and learn from how you react when things don't go your way. He comes home from school and says, based on things he's seen, heard and how people are reacting and said, dad, I'm scared. I don't want to leave this family because Trump won. They're sending me back to Africa. Where does a first grader get this? It's the power of influence. And you all carry it for my kids. I carry it for your kids. We all carry it. And I'm just giving you one example of a subject, but we tend to forget this because we haven't stopped and paused and said, what does love require of me to do in this situation? What does it look like? Is it more important to talk about what I believe in? Or is it, more talk, is it more important to do what I believe and who I am and what I'm about? So we have these two options. You can hurt others deeply or you can love them profoundly. It's not what you believe, it's how you treat them. So how do we live this out? I want to give you really quick uh, three little handles, three things um, that you can grasp uh, that you can take away here um, when it just comes down to how do we get better at not just simply believing something, right? When it comes to influence, but believing not just the right things, but treating people the way that heals their hurt, um, that loves them towards our Savior, who loves them so much that he died for them. And it's this. Uh, These are the three things. Don't do anything that will hurt you. Don't do anything that will hurt someone else. And don't be mastered by anything. Don't do anything that will hurt you. You guys have experienced this from other people. What hurts you hurts someone else. If you hurt you, you're hurting those who love you the most. 
When it comes to the number one priority, those two commandments that everything hangs on, you hurt yourself, it hurts God. It puts that in that place. Many of you have experienced this. You have close friends, you have family. I I can just about guarantee everyone's experiences. If not, you're going to it one day. When someone else is hurting themselves and you are broken because it's hurting you, even though they're not physically doing something to you, they're physically doing something to themselves. I was just talking to a friend this week and he was hurting so bad. He was so mad at his friend. And I was like, why are you so mad at your friend? And he said, because I love him. He's not even doing anything specific to him. He's watching him hurt himself. And a lot of times we say, no, 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 I'm just hurting me. Stay out of it. What I do to me is me. That's not you. And that's not how it is. You want to have influence. You want to ask what love requires of you. It requires you to don't do anything that will hurt you. The second one is don't do anything that will hurt somebody else. And I'm not talking about the military or police officer stuff. The New Testament is really clear about that. That's a, that's a different, that's a known subject and an answer. I'm talking about deciding how we interact with people when we're pulling out a sword, when we're really good at manipulating, when we're really good at our anger, when we're really good at all those other things that hurt, hurt people, when we're really good at making sure I can hurt someone and it doesn't matter regardless my view, my Christianity, where I am in that, my maturity. You have to decide before you have conversations with people, before you post something or before and when you're around people, I'm not going to do anything or say anything that hurts someone else. Why? Because here's the deal. Everyone you're eyeball to eyeball with, God loves just as much as you. That's what love requires of us to do. Don't do anything that'll hurt somebody else. Most of the time when we hurt other people, we hurt them with our words. And that's a powerful, powerful tool. The last one, don't be mastered by anything. Don't be mastered by anything. No one deserves that. No one deserves deserves to fall second to those things. It requires you don't be mastered by anything because you know why? Because whenever you're mastered by something, it'll keep you from loving someone. Whenever you're mastered by something, it keeps you from loving someone. No one should have to compete with your work. No one should have to compete with your alcohol. No one should have to compete with your porn, your prescription drugs. No one should have to compete with your anger. No one should have to compete with your temper. Don't be mastered by anything. No one should compete with anything that you've become mastered by. And so what does love require of you? It requires you to get rid of anything in your life that competes with his lordship, with that one, loving God and loving other. So don't do anything that'll hurt you. Don't do anything that'll hurt anybody else. Use the filter when you have interactions. Don't do anything to hurt, betray, manipulate, tempt, groom. And don't be mastered by anything else. And a lot of you just thought of someone else. I'm glad my husband's here today. (laughs) I'm telling my college son to watch this today multiple times. (laughs) And it's not about somebody else. It's about what love requires of you and the leverage that you have. When we leverage anything but love, when we leverage anything other than love, we lose our leverage. Uh, In my house, we have something over top of our fireplace because this is uh, so important because, like I said, of the power of influence over four little people in my house um, that are really special, and sometimes they're just not that special, but (laughs) they're still special. (laughs) They're a gift, a present, something. 
Um, and so it's, how do we do this? How do I help make sure that in the midst of the power of influence that I have, and really other people have, um, what are some things that I can instill to them uh, in their life and who they become, what they value, who they are, where can they find that? Um, because I have that opportunity, and it is a powerful one that I don't want to screw up. And so over our fireplace, uh, we wrote a mission statement. You guys can steal this. Many of you have your own. Um, this is what's really good for us because we get to have this conversation all the time. It says, we, the Davis family, choose to live by faith in Christ in a grace-giving environment. The kids chose that one. We sat down with them and said, what are some things important to you? I think they chose that one because they didn't want consequences when they did something bad. Dad, we need to live in a grace-giving environment. I think that's fundamental. (laughs) No, that's really important uh, for them. Um, My oldest specifically talked about that one more. She wanted to live in a grace-giving environment. And what that forces me to do in the midst of consequences is sometimes tell her, you deserve this. I don't want to not give you this punishment, but God's given me a grace and he's asked me to be an example of that. So I'm giving you grace. And I really hope you get it because I can't make you get it. That's something you're going to have to figure out between you and the Lord and good luck. I'm mad. <laughs> so a grace-giving environment is characterized by providing refuge and compassion to those in need. That's my son Malachi's, our first adopted son. He came up with that and I was like, what? Who are you? He's like about providing refuge and compassion to those in need. He's very aware of who he is and where he comes from. And he's an orphan. And providing other people with a safe place, a safe space and compassion. The part where it's to those in need, that's my wife. That's why we got into uh, foster adopting this last kid. I, I, I will be straight up honest with you. I was out. I was done, D. Not my plan. And my wife said, this is who we are. We're providing to those in need that can't help themselves. And I went, doggone it. (laughs) That sounded bad, but it really was just me speaking from the heart. (laughs) That's why this is so difficult. It's so good. And we give compassion to those in need. And demonstrate love and joy. There's the tough ones. In all circumstances. Through daily obedience to God's word. Because here's the deal. You can't preach people into loving each other. I can't. I can't do that for you right now. Uh, I can't preach people out of habits. I can't preach them out of addictions. I can't legislate people out of habits. I can't legislate them into loving each other. I can't legislate them out of habits. It only happens when it's seen and it's, it's almost irresistible. So may, may then it be said of us, by this, everyone will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. So simple yet so profound, so deep, so beautiful. Would you bow your heads? Lord, thanks for giving us many opportunities this week and the week forward (laughs) to ask this question and put it into practice. I ask that you just give us courage and faith to not just sit in what we believe, but figure out how we should behave. God, thank you for loving us profoundly. That has moved us to, to influence others. God, I don't want to pass up the opportunity. I don't want to pass up the opportunity for anyone who's in this room today with everyone's heads bowed. 
And we, we stand up here and we talk, and I can say some silly things, I can say some really difficult things, really simple things. And we sing songs together, we have our time of worship, which for some of us can be really silly to stand there and just sing up in a room together. But God does this really beautiful thing when he's honored. Some of you are here today and, and you can feel him. He is seeking after your heart. Maybe he's been seeking it after it a long time. Maybe he just snuck up on it today and you just realize it's been sitting there for you. Something happens between this music and the words that are coming out of my mouth and Pastor Jesse's mouth and just the moments and even the lights and stuff where his spirit just lays heavy on you. And you finally hear him say, I love you. I want you. You need me. So I don't want to wash over that moment for someone who's in here today. Because that moment for you, 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 you feel yourself, it, it needs a response, a physical response to that as he seeks after your heart. And that physical response today is just, yes, I'm ready to surrender myself to you. I need to put my hope in you. My freedom in you. My behavior in you. The list goes on. So if you're here today, and that's you, maybe for the first time, you just need to respond physically with your hand up, looking at me, let me just acknowledge you, and you just need to say yes to Jesus and surrender yourself to him as he's been seeking after your heart today. Would you raise your hand and just look at me? I want to acknowledge you. Yeah. Yes. So God, thank you just uh, as we celebrate with you just the surrender and just the freedom that gives us. May you be a powerful influence through us. God, I can't even imagine what this church would look like, this community, the world would look like if we actually got that, if we could actually do that. We see glimpses. God, may we be a tool of influence for you. And then we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You made